Our, our theme, our spiritual theme for the month of November is attention. And so today I'm going to invite us to pay attention to those who serve. Those who serve within the space of this congregation, those who serve in our communities, and those who serve in our wider, in our wider world. And in connection with service and this idea of what it means to serve, I'm going to invite us to listen to the call of our hearts. So enter with me into the spirit of worship with these words from the Reverend Teresa Ines Soto, which are very aptly called snowflake. <laughs> I promise I picked this before I knew it was going to be snowing today. How do we spring back into shape after a long week, an election season that drags a broken heart that's still not healed, raw, but beating? No duct tape will cover those cracks. No glue will close the gap. Some people think they can shame you or make you small by calling you a snowflake. What they don't know is this. The snow is bright because the lines and lacy edges, the crystals stacked, reflect back the light shone down upon them. And the light keeps shining just as you do. In this community, you choose each other. You insist on blazing brilliant. Your unique configuration is the universe's expression of what it means to be alive. And together, beloved, together, many snowflakes make a mountain. You return to knowing yourself and being yourself. By the clarity of that reflection, you can lay your burdens down and rest, lean into the place where you belong, allow the brightness of who you are, individual and community, to light the way toward the future. You, my beloved, are building with your love. Our reading today comes from uh, Steve Crump, and it's called Song for the Unsung. You make the coffee, set up the tables, and organize the cleaning when the rest of us have gone home. You know where the brooms and supplies are kept. You run to the store in the nick of time. You find the great stuff to sell at the fundraiser. You remember to use eye language. You speak passionately with a clear voice and listen with open-mindedness. You consider your tone when you speak. You say, you want to be part of the solution, part of the healing by hanging in there. You come up with new ideas. You gracefully accept the group choosing someone else's great idea. You step up to make the extra contribution. You make welcoming room for others. You acknowledge children and are happy to be around them. You hold the child, hold the confidence, Hold a hand. You go the extra mile, contribute the extra dollar, give the benefit of the doubt, and if I might add, wear an amazing hat. You know that church <laughs> life is all about relationships. And because you know this, your spiritual discipline of forgiveness is 
always at hand. You, with your presence alone, offer a holy companionship. You accompany others in the dark night of the soul. You do what you do because you can. And you often wish you could do more. You labor not for praise, not for a song, but for the good in doing the work. But we, we sing this song of praise for you, the unsung in our church. And our hearts are glad in the singing because we know the many things that you do. So I have a friend uh, who always says, the story I'm about to tell you happened long, long ago and far, far away. <laughs> I think it's his attempt to protect the innocent. So take that as said, and let me share with you a story of what happened one day when somebody, I'm pretty sure it was not me, I'm pretty sure I would remember, somebody dripped hot candle wax along, I don't know, roughly 30 feet of a long hallway. Not here. It was long ago and far away. <laughs> and so when this candle wax that had by then hardened into, you know what it hardens into, on the carpet was discovered, it created a predictable church ruckus. Where is the budget for special cleaning projects? Who did this? No, really, who did it? I think we need a new policy. No candles in church. Okay, maybe we need candles, but maybe they should only be battery-operated. Okay, battery-operated are fine, but that Christmas Eve service where we turn the lights down and hold candles? Okay, we, we need to use real candles. Okay, so the new policy is... <laughs> Electric, battery-operated candles, except on Christmas Eve. It was a big deal. And while I'm kind of making fun of those concerns now, the truth is I really do understand. Because our spiritual home is a home in a way that nowhere else in our lives can be regardless of what beliefs we hold or what personality we carry or what we have in our hearts when, he, when we come in, our spiritual home is a place where we tenderly and vulnerably bring our deepest selves. And whether we recognize them or not, we bring our deepest hungers. And when somebody spills candle wax on the carpet or fails to pick up a piece of trash, it upsets us. We want our spiritual home to manifest those values that we carry of welcoming, of being this place for everyone. And we don't want to look bad, right? 
It's all complicated. So as the controversy still raged over policies and cleaning and who did it, which was never discovered as far as I can remember, that's why I'm pretty sure it wasn't me, I sauntered into church one day, and I was cruising down the hallway, and there was, well, let's call her Sarah. Sarah was roughly 85 years old uh, in, that, in that moment, and she was sitting on the carpet with a glass of ice water and a butter knife. So I sat down next to her on the carpet, and I said, what are you doing? And she looked at me this giant smile on her face, and she said, well, someone told me that if you freeze the, the wax, you can pick it up really easily with a butter knife. She said, look how much I've cleaned up already. <laughs> She'd cleaned up roughly half of it. And I went, wow. Wow. You see, it would never have occurred to me to ask her or to ask anybody else to do what is admittedly, you know, a fairly <laughs> nasty task. I mean, there are worse in churches. You know this. I know this. Where unmentionable things are involved, but still, it's not a, it's not a happy thing. I also knew that Sarah lives with really very, very modest means. She does not own a car. And that she would have had to take at least two buses to get from her, the place where she lives, to get to the congregation. And that given the way public transportation schedules work, it probably would have taken her close to two hours to get to the church to do this job of cleaning up the candle wax. The thing that struck me in that moment, and there were actually many things that struck me, but the thing that struck me was how happy she was that this thing worked and that the stain was being removed. And how happy she was that she was doing something for her spiritual home. She has been a Unitarian Universalist for seven decades. And she's told me many times over the years how finding this faith changed her life, made her feel welcome and whole in a way that she had never felt before. Now, Sarah is not a saint, and she can get grumpy with the best of us. And she has very strong opinions about a great many things. And she doesn't hesitate to deploy them. None of us are an unalloyed delight. <laughs> but it was clear to her that this was something that she could do and that she wanted to do. By the end of the day, and she spent most of the day there, by the end of the day, she had cleaned all of the wax up from the carpet. As I have been reflecting this week on this idea of honoring and holding, at least for me in my heart, all of those who serve, I've thought about her and I've thought about what that day meant. And it's made me smile again and again.
Because one benefit of sitting in the middle of the hallway with a butter knife and a glass of ice water is that everybody who comes in is going to talk to you. So it was kind of a party. I mean, it really was. It was a moment of bonding. It was a moment of being together that you couldn't have scripted, right? What committee could have come up with that as an idea for bringing people together? (laughs) I'm sure the committee exists. I don't mean to diminish our lust for committee work. But the most beautiful things can happen by whimsy and how they happen and why they happen and why I'm convinced this is what happened with my beloved friend is that she loved her church and she loved being of service and it brought joy to her to do something to do something that was helpful. The Christian theologian Frederick Buchner says, the place God calls you to is a place where your deep deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The place spirit calls you to is a place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. My hope and prayer for all of us here this morning as we enter into a holiday week and all that that entails, my hope and my prayer is that you will perhaps begin to reconsider how you view this thing that is doing service and this thing that is to volunteer It is work. It is work. And sometimes it's extremely hard work. But it is also, it is also a space where our deep gladness, where the call, whatever call it is we hear in this moment, and it can change whatever call we hear in this moment, from that which we hold sacred. It's where it carries us. Sometimes that call is for hearing, healing. Sometimes that that call is for taking a moment to step away and nurture our own spirits. And sometimes that call is to clean up candle wax or rearrange the chairs so that nobody can see those nasty stains on the carpet. My mother taught me, well, if you can't, if the chairs won't work, turn down the lights. (laughs) My mother-in-law used to hide stuff in her oven. (laughs) Luckily, she didn't cook, so that didn't turn, that didn't, that didn't, that didn't turn it. I mean, we all have a, you know, we all have our tricks of the trade, right? So it is work. It can be really hard work. It can be something that we need to rest from. But if we understand that doing service comes from that place of love, it comes from the overflow of love. I may have shared this with you. My spiritual director says this to me all the time. 
We are not meant to be God's workhorses. We are meant to be the overflow of God's love. And she tells me all the time because I need to hear it all the time. But that's true. And so if we come to that place, from that place when we are doing this service, either here amongst one another or wearing wonderful hats or buying gifts or baking cookies or fixing shed roofs and getting a little bro time in in the process, or boosting our internet signal or making beautiful music or coffee, the magical elixir of life, as my, my family knows, I believe, on the bottom of my heart. What do you have faith in? I have faith in coffee. It's an organizing principle. <laughs> if we come from that place, we grow. So people who study volunteering, and thank God people study everything because they find out interesting things, but there are people who study church volunteering, and the first thing they have reached consensus on is this. There has never been a church in the history of human civilization anywhere or at any time that had as many volunteers as it thought it needed. You got that? We don't have enough volunteers is the motto for the ages. But in the United States, we're considered the top 10% of churches, meaning those that grow. And so when we're not talking about just Unitarian Universalism, but the whole sort of religious endeavor. The top 10%, in the top 10%, close to 72% of people in the congregation volunteer. The average is around 43%. So it's almost double. So many times, those of us who are in this religious endeavor, many times we, we believe or we think that you, you need to be engaged in the, the mission and you need to be engaged in the, in the sort of endeavors of the congregation in order to become motivated to volunteer. And it's actually the other way around. It is making the commitment to try. It is making the commitment to bring whatever gift you wish to bring to your community. That is what engages you. And that is what makes us feel welcome. That expands our world instead of contracting it. So you know Unitarian Universalists, like most ministers, we work six days a week. That's sort of the way it goes, and often seven days. But we volunteer, too. And normally I wouldn't share this with you, but I am going to because I want you to know that I know from my own experience what it means. I was asked to volunteer a couple of months ago on a um, committee for the UU Ministers Association that is dedicated to helping ministers grow spiritually because if we don't grow why would you want to grow if we don't grow and learn and change if we don't nourish our spirits how can we companion you in doing that and so in that meeting 
a colleague of mine, Reverend Nell Newton, who serves in Amarillo, Texas, she and I volunteered to lead a prayer circle for ministers across the country using Zoom technology. And we, <laughs> we had no idea whether this would be a successful experiment or an epic fail or somewhere in between. But our intuition was that knowing that we need to be ministered to, that maybe we could meet a deep hunger in our world. So the first one was this, this week on Wednesday. And I, I just, I can't describe to you how it felt for our colleagues to come up on the screen, most of them people I'd never met, and to say, I am at the end of my life, I'm battling illness, will you pray for me? Will you craft words of prayer for me? I am at the beginning of my ministerial call, and I'm scared. Will you pray for me? There were prayers. They asked for prayers in all of the areas that you might imagine. And yes, we lit candles <laughs> for everyone. And I felt such joy to do this. That took a lot of time and a lot of meetings and all that stuff. But the joy that comes from stretching ourselves. It's kept me smiling for the rest of the week. So my friends, I'm going to share Mr. Buchner's, Dr. Buchner's call one more time. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. God bless you all for everything you do. Amen. If you have ever served as an officer or a member of the board of this church, would you please stand? If you have shared your musical gifts with this community, would you please stand? And that includes singing. If you have ever shared your gifts with this community in worship, as a storyteller, musician, worship leader, or worship associate, would you please stand? If you helped to build this building or if you have ever tended to the care and feeding of this fellowship building, replacing light bulbs, serving on the beautification or buildings and grounds committee, shoveling snow, recycling, or any of the hundreds of jobs that are needed for proper upkeep, would you please stand? If you have ever served this community by sharing the gift of hospitality, would you please stand? This includes all of you who have ever brought food to share, set the tables for Sunday potluck, hosted a fabulous social event, or simply smiled at or greeted a newcomer, please stand. If you have ever spoken out for justice, attended a demonstration, signed a petition, served on the social justice committee, worked on the silent witness event, volunteered in the community, donated goods for sale or food for the hungry, please stand.
If you've ever helped to raise funds for this church, volunteered at a flea market, auction, chili cook-off, or holiday bazaar, corralled the troops to put together any other fundraising event, please stand. If you've ever reached out in love to another member of this congregation, made a phone call, paid a visit, sent a card, or held a hand in sympathy, please stand. If you have ever volunteered your time with the young people of this community by teaching, laughing, instructing, celebrating, or guiding, or chaperoning field trips, please stand. If you have ever led or participated in a small group, either for instruction or deep conversation, please stand, and if you're already standing, raise an arm if your name was called twice. <laughs> Beloved, take a moment to thank one another. Look into your neighbor's eyes and thank them for everything they do. <laughs> May you be blessed in this week in this time of celebration, in this time of gratitude. And may you hear the voice of spirit within you, calling you to the place where your gladness meets the world's deepest hunger. Amen.